Welcome to Sound Philosophy, a podcast exploring philosophical and interpretive issues in the history of popular music. In today's episode, I'm joined by Addie Fiedler to discuss video game music. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy. something that I really haven't done at all on this podcast so far. Hey, Addie. Hello. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let's just start by like thinking about how we should think about uh, video game music, right? Because we often think of music as something that we, and, and this is probably incorrect, right? We often think of music as something we sit down and, and pay attention to. But of course, we know better. We know that we use music in all sorts of ways. We use music as sort of wallpaper, right? To be in the background while we do dishes or while we're having dinner. We use music to set a mood. Uh, if, whenever I have a party with certain of my friends, then I have jazz music on. Other of my friends... Um, classical music, other of my friends, right? So it all depends. When my brother's over, it's Grateful Dead from beginning to the end. Uh, so, so we use music in different ways. And, you know, my, uh, that's a good example. Let's uh, mention that for my, when my brother's over, a song we particularly like or a performance we particularly like comes on, we're paying attention. But the rest of the time, we're just talking. It's in the background. It sets the mood. It makes us feel like we're here together. So music functions in all sorts of ways. How do you feel... What are some of the ways in which video game music functions? Are we listening to it carefully or sometimes, sometimes not? How is it? Is it setting moods? Is it meant to be there but not exactly heard? Like, how do you take the the function or functions of video game music? Well, just like you, you gave the examples of how, you know, you play music in the background when you're hanging out with friends or when you're um, doing dishes, like video game music can function the same way it helps set the mood and it helps in a way i think it helps set the mood even more because video game music is made particularly for a certain sequence or a certain scene certain purpose okay so so that's interesting right so that it's a kind of heightened experience so so imagine that in a video, I imagine there's a video game like this. I just haven't played it where you're in there and you're doing dishes. Right. And there might be like dishwashing music that's better than my dishwashing. It's not just sort of randomly associated with things I like, but rather somehow brings you into the mood of doing dishes. Is that part of what you're suggesting? Uh, yeah. You know, there's probably like a simulator game where you right. do dishes. But um yeah, that is kind of how it functions. It brings you into the mo- the mode, brings you in a mode. All right. All right. Good. And now there's several modes involved mm-hmm. in, in a, a, a video game, right? I mean, when you first we could even go outside of the game itself and think about the Xbox or the PlayStation. Or whatever. You turn it on and there's a beep. Right. There's a, a, a chime or something, something that, that is uh, recognizably that. Yeah. Right. Cue. Right. Uh, exactly. It lets you know that the thing is functioning. 
But it also, I mean, even that kind of musical cue has a certain amount of meaning, right? Oh, yes. I'm about to play a game. So, so some of that music is going to be like that, a cue, an expectation. Mm -hmm. Some of the music is going to be kind of waiting music. Like some games have pause music where you put the game on pause and it has a certain function, right? Like the pause music wants to tell you, hey, I'm still on. I'm still around, but if the pause music is too annoying, then it's not functioning very well as pause music, right? Then you, okay. you might turn the sound off. So the pause music, I'm just picking sort of random examples for a moment because they're, the le they're perhaps in some ways less interesting, but even those less interesting ones are interesting because yeah. the pause music has to do something kind of clever. It has to say, I'm still here. You want to play me. You want to get back to me, but I'm not getting in the way of whatever it is you're doing now, talking to your, your siblings or whatever it is that you're doing, whatever reason you paused me for, it's okay, but I'm still here and I'm still important, yeah. right? And there are all sorts of functions like that. Like, let's start with one that's also not really, strictly speaking, part of the game, the menu, right? A menu usually has some kind of... Uh, some kind of music to it. The the one I'm thinking of, of course, is is Donkey Kong Country because I play that one a decent amount. And it has, dump da 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 da. Right, it's got that sort of uh, Mario Brothers derivation that he, that it's it's uh, linking to the larger franchise of Nintendo games, while at the same time having this sort of island feel because of the nature of of that particular game. Right. What do you how do you explain the function of menu music? Like would it, what pick pick one that sticks out to you? Like, what does it do? Well, um, menu, whether it's menu music or, you know, pause, pause music or whatever. Um, those like cues, they you can easily identify them the more you engage with them. So like the Donkey Kong music you mentioned, du, 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 like that's even recognizable to people who don't play video games because they use them in memes and like on the internet and stuff. And there's actually like a whole concept to like music and how it you engage with it and how it engages with you. Okay, what what concept is that? It's called narrative transportation theory okay and how does that work so narrative transportation theory is the theory that you your attitude and your attitude and your behavior changes the more you engage with any story your mm -hmm. immersion level can change the way you act okay now that's obviously important for a video game right mm -hmm. uh because i'm not a giant monkey. I'm not Donkey Kong, right? And so I do have to sort of transform myself. There, there's an as if mm -hmm. always in play when I'm playing a game. Like even a game. I, I guess if we found the simulator game where I was literally just doing my day and so on and and doing dishes. But even then, like there's there's an Office episode that does that, right? Where where the uh, the one character is playing a, a simulated life game and it's basically his real life except he can fly <laughs> like he doesn't even make himself the manager right he's still the assistant to the manager or whatever um but for the most part we play games with an as if quality as if i was something else right sometimes those something else's are 
desirable and sometimes they're not and sometimes they're sort of ridiculous and sometimes they're not right like uh, i know a, a favorite of yours is sonic the hedgehog right yes. you're not a hedgehog uh, and in fact sonic the hedgehog's not really a hedgehog because hedgehogs don't do that they don't move at sonic speed i've seen hedgehogs right uh so so when i'm transporting myself there uh, let's take that that notion apart right narrative transportation theory so i'm transporting myself into a narrative in one sense you could say that happens with any form of entertainment mm -hmm. right i mean maybe even a song right yeah. like if i'm if i'm listening to i don't know why this is the one that uh occurs to me i guess because it's somewhat distasteful right but the police every breath you take right it's a stalker it's a it's a not it's a not nice person i don't want to be a stalker yeah. but when i'm listening to that song in some ways i'm transporting myself into the narrative of that character right yeah. uh, that surrounds that character so does menu music do that though that's uh, see I'm, i guess i'm sort of thinking of video games as having these various levels of of music some of which are bringing me into the narrative more than others, right? Like the pause music is letting me know that the narrative's still available, but it's not really sucking me in or it's not working very well as, as pause music. Is menu music meant to suck me in already or is it meant to be sort of almost like a curtain? Like things are coming, but the curtain hasn't opened yet. Well, it's, I wouldn't really say it's that simple because every okay. menu music is different. Right. But... To, I think menu music as a whole is there to let you know that this is what, you know, there's a process you have to go through before the game starts. Click on this thing, change these settings, and, like, there is one uh, menu music that comes to mind. Um, Naruto Ninja Storm 3. The okay. menu music, when you select the character... Is pretty interesting it um like when it very much kind of engages you like which character you're gonna choose and it's just very identifiable like some music cues are so identifiable like as i said before they're used in memes and on the internet but also you could easily easily search up these menu cues or like entire playlists on the internet and just listen to them in your own free time yeah yeah so so you're saying now i'm not familiar with that game so i'm i'm asking yeah. questions as a as a um, you know someone without knowledge of it or experience but you're saying that when you pick the character there's a shift in the music um there's a shift in music when you go to the character selection screen oh okay Okay, so it's the whole because because there are sort of cues that happen sometimes when you pick characters. Again, yeah. I'm thinking of the Nintendo games, right? Mm -hmm. When you're when you're doing say um, what uh, Mario Kart or whatever it's called, right? The racing game with the with the Nintendo characters, mm -hmm. and you pick the character, and the music there's a little fanfare, and the 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 character, the avatar jumps up in the air. Yeah, you picked me, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so that there is this this sort of little. I imagine there's a tiny dopamine hit, right? Oh, I've picked somebody, and they're glad I picked them. <laughs> it's sort of like when you're when you're playing pickup basketball or something, and the person is glad that they're on your team, right? That yeah. there's a little yeah cue for that. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. um, all right, so what's involved? Like, give me a good classic example 
of something that works well is transportation or that's explained well let's put it that way that's explained well by this notion of a narrative transportation theory like give me an example of, of a piece of video game music that really does draw you in and how does it take you out of your everyday world and into this other world well i'll give you an example of a video game but i also want to give you an example of a movie great so I want to talk about the movie example first. So the movie that I'm bringing up is Black Panther and the uh -huh. sequel Wakanda Forever. So like the black community all across the world really, really just was so excited for this movie because they had never seen anything like that before. And just to see people that looked like them on screen. And I include myself in that too, just like, oh my God, this is so cool. This is amazing. Like, I have to go see this. And representation plays a part into that as well. To see yourself, someone like you on screen, it makes you more immersed in that story. It mm -hmm. also goes into more relatable characters. Which character do you like because of their personality traits? Which character do you root for to make it to the end or to achieve their goals? That's a part of narrative transportation theory too but is there was there an element of the music that that participated in this or at this moment you're mostly talking about just identifying with the character the music can play a part in that too um the door melange theme in black panther has like this little like chanting sound uh-huh and it's now that people have heard it in two movies associated with the Dormelage or like the general the Dormelage Okoye, when they hear that, they automatically think, oh, Dormelage's kicking ass right now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, that is a, I, I don't want to go too far afield with this, but that's such an interesting mu movie in some ways, not just in the way that it uses music, but the way that it, it conflates um, kind of very old traditional modes of living with very modern, in fact, uh, you know, futuristic mm -hmm. modes of living. Um, and it's, it's, it, it, I mean, it's a puzzle to me in a, in a way, like if you were in a future, uh, situation where you have this great technology that, 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 you know, you can, um, move however fast their their various machines move and and you can design these these uh weaponized suits and all this why would you still be living in grass huts like there's something there's something interesting about that like what do you make of that that kind of conflation of the traditional past and the and the futuristic um after, like the concept not to also stray too far but the concept of Afrofuturism is like how to bring your ancestry into the present. And a lot of people, a lot of like concepts of Afrofuturism, Afrofuturism involves using things from the past and bringing yeah. it into the present. So like those pastoral people who live more, you know, pastoral life, um, they definitely do incorporate modern kind of like like techniques into their right. way of life because they still use like this 
ultra amazing material into their everyday lives, which is vibranium. And, you know, like there are multiple functions to a society, you know, like you have people right. live in a city, but you also need farmers. You also need people who, you know, watch like a certain like river or border. So, you know, everything pays, yeah. plays a role into that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the thing that interests me with that particular example and, and to tie this back into um, video game music is that it has that sort of function of there's all this stuff, the vibranium and so on. There are all these things that, that, that are sort of leaps of fantasy, science fiction type things that, you know, uh, that some of which we're familiar with some of those ideas as tropes in science fiction in general. But I think part of the, the grass hut thing and, and the people protecting the rivers and the traditional modes of dress and so on is to sort of ground this this thing in the familiar and, 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 and that we, we tend to associate the traditional with the meaning bearing, right? That if you lose tradition, you lose elements of meaning. Yeah. Right? There's the, the famous Marxist saying that what modernism does is uh, all that was solid melts into air and that you lose that sense of foundational meaning. Um, and I think that is part of the and so video games have similar things, right? There are things that are familiar, sometimes very simple corporeal things uh, that are familiar, but things that are defamiliarizing as well. And so the idea is to that that part of this transportation is to transport you when you when you're transporting yourself when you're moving from you start in a familiar place home and you go somewhere else and you retain elements of home you retain it's not like your entire life changes just because you're visiting brazil or something right yeah. um and so a similar thing perhaps happens with with video games maybe a good example of this we could go in in one of two directions here it's up up to you um but uh a good example of this might be legend of zelda or or you could talk about sonic if that uh, whatever well is more interesting yeah so i'm more familiar with sonic the hedgehog okay you know it was kind of like the first video game franchise i got into that showed me like oh there's like a big world of video games out there and like sonic himself is very familiar he's sega's mascot you know when you see him you know who he is plus of all the memes and internet jokes about him over the years um in fact the first video game i got into was one of if not the worst video games both in the franchise and in video games in general and that was sonic the hedgehog 2006 or as the community kindly dubs it, Sonic 06. Okay. And now, why is that? Because that's interesting, right? Why is that significant to you that, that you started off with a kind of aberrant version of, of Sonic or a less preferred? Um, because my dad actually bought it. He bought a PlayStation 3 and the first game we got, he bought for us that I remember me and my sisters playing was Sonic 06 and I didn't really think anything of it at the time you know just like oh there's this blue spiky thing that can run really fast and actually he doesn't run very fast in the game but like <laughs> that's pretty interesting and then from that point on Sonic has always had like 
a special place in my heart, even if the game I got was not very good. But, okay. you know, yeah. Yeah, there is. I mean, most of us probably don't come to video games late in life, right? They, like our, our early exposure of video games is part of what makes them special in a way. There are things often, not always, but often they're either gifts or adventures with parents, right? My my earliest experiences wasn't having a home uh, uh, system, but rather going to the arcade and, you know, my, my dad dropping me and my brothers off at the arcade and this sort of adventure of how can we make the quarters last as long as possible and, and play as many games as possible. Um, so yeah, there's this, there's this kind of psychological aspect to it. Now how, for that particular, um, game though, the Sonic 06, you were saying that the music plays a special role. How does that work? So the reason Sonic 06 is considered one of the worst is because it needed at least another year in the oven. Like, it was so glitchy and unfinished and buggy. But one thing that everyone can agree on, regardless of how they feel about the game, is that the music is top tier. And that goes for, like, a majority of games in the Sonic franchise. Like, the music is always very good. And why is that? Like, why would the music for Sonic be particularly good? Um, it, it can, you know, like every, so every stage in the game has its own theme. Um, all of them, the main characters have their own theme. Like it was, so it was worked on by five composers Hideaki Kobayashi, Tomoya Otani, Hariko Nanba, Taihei Sato, and Takehito Eguchi. And uh, you can tell that, like, you know, oh, they, this is what actually one of the things, like, that had the most attention, which was the music, since it had five composers. Right, yeah, that is, that is interesting. Five, five, and do they divide up the work, or are they collaborating the whole time? Um, or do you know that I do not know, but okay. like, you can just, well, let's tell. go back to, yeah, let's go back to the reception of it. Your reception of it then. So, so the music articulates the different levels and it articulates the characters, mm-hmm. right? So there's a kind of, uh, almost a Wagnerian aspect to this, right? That each character has its own leitmotif or its own set of musical cues, mm-hmm. but also, so, so is there a way in which those, um, Leitmotifs, and I'm I'm just using the word leitmotif as the music associated with the character. Yeah. Is there ways in which they change at the different levels so that that you hear the music sort of in a way as as kind of double articulating? It's it's not only showing you oh you're at this new level, but that the character has somehow changed also. Or um, not in the music doesn't change. Each leitmotif doesn't exactly change. And it doesn't change, especially doesn't change in a way that signifies character growth or character development. But one thing that's really interesting is the theme in the game is of time. And each of the three main characters represents a moment in time, past, present, and future. Okay. And Sonic, the main character, he represents the present, which is very fitting of his character because he's always living in the moment. He doesn't hold on to regrets. He doesn't think about the past. He's always on the move. And so 
to be no. to always live in the moment is very now, characteristic wait of him. Wait, I gotta, I gotta ask. How do we know? How do we know that Sonic? Now, I, uh, it's been a while. I haven't played that particular Sonic. I've played Sonic games, but how do we know that he doesn't have re- have regrets? Like, how are we aware that he doesn't hold on to the past? Because, like, he doesn't. Not in the way he doesn't hold on to regrets. He doesn't look back. Okay. He just keeps moving forward. Okay. So why isn't that future-oriented? And which character is future-oriented? Uh, the new addition to the game, Silver the Hedgehog. Okay. And he literally comes from the future. He's a time oh. traveler. <laughs> oh, so it's quite literal. Yeah, okay. quite literal. And then, who's, and then who's the past? Um, Shadow the Hedgehog. Okay. He, so again, kind of literal, right? Because the shadow yeah. is behind you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it doesn't have to be, of course. The sun could be behind you, but we tend to think of the shadow as being. Yeah. Yeah. And shadow is. He has a lot of. A lot of his characterization and, you know, kind of his motives come from the past. And, okay. you know, he has a long history. Longer than any of the other characters, the other two now, main does characters. the music articulate that in some way, and if so, how? Um, I think Silver's character mo- like motif signifies features the most because it has an electronic pop um sound to it, and that's kind of like I don't know if that's like self-explanatory or anything. Okay, and mm. uh. Sonic, like, it's like heavy rock with like some violin incorporated to it into it. Okay. And Shadow, he's well. Shadow does incorporate rock into his light motif too. Okay. And it's more about, you know time to start a new that kind of thing okay so so video game music to some extent then has to operate on at least some cliches right i mean certainly the the idea of of silver is is operating on a a bit of a cliche, yeah. which doesn't. Uh, I hope it's clear that I I hardly ever use the word cliche as a negative thing, right? We all work with cliches mm-hmm. all the time, have to, because cliches are meaning-bearing things, and then it's what we do with the cliches that that makes them a little more interesting or engaging or of the present mm-hmm. in a way, right? Or articulating time uh, in some fashion. So this idea of using these cliches, these things that we recognize as being meaning bearing and we have a sense of what that meaning is and uh, and yet still being identified with this particular experience. That sounds a lot like film music yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah. So why don't we take a break and we'll think about that next. Okay.
Now, of course, film music and, and theories of film music are vast, right? I mean, there, there are lots of ways that we can talk o- about film music, but some of which we've already touched on, the idea of leitmotifs of certain characters or certain ideas having music associated with them. Um, uh, and obviously, the example that we used earlier of certain music being appropriate to certain actions, um, right? Chase music is, of course, going to be different from dream music and, and so on. And again, cliches sort of show up, right? In dream music, you often have whole tone scales because there's this uh, this sort of floating sense to a whole tone scale. And that's kind of a a typical cliche. So uh, a good film, in my opinion, to think about film music is is the film Inception, if, if you've ever seen that with Leonardo DiCaprio, where the idea is that you can enter into other people's dreams and, and therefore they're unconscious and sort of change things around and so on. And the reason that I think of that film is because it, it kind of has music operating on on various levels because the dreams themselves are various levels. You can go deeper. You can go into a dream of a dream and so on. So there's these, this idea of, of a kind of recursive set of uh, increasingly deep steps that one might take into someone's unconscious. Um, so with film music, of course, there's music that you're you're clearly meant to notice. There's music that you're not meant to notice as much, right? Because if you notice it too much, then you miss the the dialogue that's going on. Um, so there's music that's purely underlay music that's that's giving you a sense of the tension of the moment, perhaps, but that that we're not supposed to directly notice. That's supposed to work on us at a subconscious level. Then there's sort of overt music. Music that's more of an orchestral fanfare, and that happens quite a bit in, in Inception. At one point when he's, he's, he's an architect, right? And so he's building up a dream because the idea is that you enter into the dream with the people that you're trying to get into their unconscious, and basically you're distracting them, more or less. It's been a while since I've seen the movie. I'm sure I'm getting elements of it wrong, but that's, that's my memory of it. Um, and then that he's an architect in the sense that he's constructing... Um, this this dreamscape that someone will want to stay in and and not wake up and therefore be distracted long enough that you can extract information from them um and so when he's introducing some of his dream architecture there's music playing that's sort of meant to be heard that you're supposed to realize oh this is telling me how strange this whole thing is but the most fascinating the 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 part that everybody talks about with that movie is the use of a um uh, Edith Piaf song, right? Because what the Edith Piaf song does is this music that they're actually playing. It's it's what you might call diegetic music. It's music that the characters are actually hearing. And you play it so that you can time things while you're down in this other person's stream. But the deeper you go, the slower the music plays. So it's a it's a gimmick, you know. But it's a kind of cool gimmick in my opinion. That that the music is altered so it's music that's familiar, and it's being altered based on where you are in this ultimately a kind of game that they're playing, right? That there is a game-like element to this. So the music impacts the ludic nature of it, ludic just being a fancy word for playing a game, right? 
So you have music in this movie and in lots of movies that work on various levels. You have music that you're not really supposed to notice, but that impacts you in some way. There's music that you are supposed to notice that, that alerts you to certain things. Then there's music that everyone notices, you and the character, uh, and that can be altered or that has an impact on the way that you're actually dealing with the situation, right? And it seems like film music ways of thinking about film music is a good way of dealing with certain video games because certain video games are very much like films right including with long cutaway sections where you're not playing at all you're just sort of watching so give us some give me an example here uh, guide me into uh, some of those thoughts and how they play out in in um video game music yeah well um i have a lot of examples yes, yeah so. of course so um First, I want to touch that video games, for the most part, they're, they're stories at the end of the day. Right. And just, just like TV, movies, or even books and plays. And with those other forms of storytelling, <clears throat> sorry, there is um, two senses that you use. There is sight and hearing which is probably and those two really go hand in hand but with video games you use three senses and that third sense is the sense of touch and when i mean touch i mean the controller you're using whether right. it's you know on the playstation xbox Wii, switch like whatever you're using and that third sense really goes into how you can play the game and how you become immersed in that story, going back to narrative transportation theory, because you control the character. Right. And going back to Sonic 06, there are certain sections of that game called mock speed sections. And uh, basically, Sonic remembers that he's Sonic and he goes like super fast and uh, this music really the music really picks up so you can tell so like there's this one stage called Wave Ocean and yeah. in that game the light motif is like you know like a rock guitar thing and you can when you close your eyes and listen to it, you can kind of feel yourself like surfing. It kind of gives off that vibe. And with the Moxie section, you can really hear that things are like getting intense. Like the power chords go hard on that one. And uh -huh. you have to go like super fast and try to like, because you can't stop at all. Like you just have to keep going. You have to, it really tests your reflexes and like your muscle memory. Now does the music... Like, which way does it work for you? And that because it, it seems like video games can have different relationships between touch and hearing, right? And sight, right? Um, for instance, uh, like, like Street Fighter is a good example, right? You have to any pretty much any fighting game, you have to anticipate. So, you see something, but what you see is not literally what you're doing, what you're responding to. What you're responding to is what you see being indicated, yes. right? So, that, that uh, with a fighting game, you see an arm move a certain way, you're like, oh, that means that this is coming next. And so, you react to counteract that. And sometimes you're wrong, right? 
that happened a lot to me with uh, with the Mike Tyson game way back in the day, right? That that some of the fighters were better at faking me out than others. Um, but I wasn't. Re- I was responding to what I was seeing, but only as an indicator of what was coming. Now, music can be a similar thing, I suppose, right? Like like the music in the mock scenes, that's what I'm specifically asking about. But I'm imagining it could go a couple of different ways. Either the music gives you cues that, that suggest that you got to do something in response to what's coming, or the music is just adding to the excitement of it, or the music is responding to things that you do. And those are all possibilities in a video game. How does it work with Sonic? Um, the music adds to the experience. Okay. Because... The mock speech section can sometimes tie into the story. So, like, in the example I mentioned, Wave Ocean, you really have to pick up speed because your goal is getting away. Like, you have to, like, go as fast as you can to catch up. Right. Yeah. So so the music, is it pretty much always the same each time you play the sequence, or does it change depending on what you're doing in the sequence? It stays the same. Okay, yeah. There's a game, I don't know if you've heard of it, because I've never played it. I've only read about it, called Spore. Have you ever heard of it? No. It's so interesting with the way that the music works, because what they've done is they basically fed, this is, again, this is all from reading, not from, from and I've seen it online, but I haven't played it myself. But uh, supposedly what they did is they fed in Fuchs's counterpoint treatment uh, treatise right so they basically they fed in these generic rules and so the music's different every time based on what you're doing because what you do will click into a certain pattern or whatever and then it links it up into a a piece of music that makes musical sense because it's figured out these generic well it's programmed in these generic rules of how to make one thing connect to the next connect to the next so it's music that that is perfectly legible or listenable it's it makes sense it doesn't sound odd it might be a little bland i don't know i thought it was kind of bland but um but it uh it's different each time you know and so it's like composing based on your touch so so this is a an example where your your tactile um responses or whatever lead into musical responses and so it seems to me like we have three situations here right that that one can be that your tactile the tactility transfers into audible sound that's the spore example there's the example you're giving which is that the tactility coordinates with sound but one isn't necessarily directly impacted by the other it's more of a sort of feel right because you could play the the sequence without the music on where there are some games where you can't do that where you need the musical cues and that that would be the third example where the musical cues tell you something to do with the the tact and the tactile range right um and so and so there's a there's some examples of that like the the classic one I think is um is Zelda right where you're interacting with music depending on which Zelda you're playing in different ways or you're interacting w- sometimes with sight in different ways like sight's the easy one like the the one where you turn into a wolf was that Breath of the Wild or whatever uh Twilight right? Princess or Twilight Princess you turn into a wolf and instead of Like you're supposed to be able to smell things. But of course, for us, what we do is we see them. We see them as these sort of fuzzy images um, that we're following around so that you have this. It's so so smell is transferred into uh, sight, um, even though it's a somewhat altered version of of sight. Um, 
but also in in, in various Zeldas, and, and in that one, uh, there's one part where you have to howl a certain pattern, mm -hmm. right? And so you have to figure out how to more or less play the joystick, the the controller, uh, almost as though it's a musical instrument. And Zelda does that in a few other things too, like the Ocarina of, of Time or whatever, right? Yep. Where you have to play certain patterns, and then you know the the computer kind of the the game um, kind of takes over for you and plays it better than you're probably playing it right but but that you actually can play this thing yeah yeah um so how does that play with the idea of the senses like you're not really playing an instrument but you kind of are or are maybe you really are i don't know like like what is the uh, using either that example or something else um that comes to mind like what is the nature of your interaction with music and in these games when when you actually have a direct impact on the music well music like in any form of storytelling music can give a sense of ambience mm -hmm. and really like set the mood so like in like the example you were giving twilight princess and ocarina of time i listened to them and some of the songs are you like the songs are used in different ways so like the song of healing, like it can do one thing and like the song to like turn back time, I think, like mm -hmm. it does another thing. So like to play an instrument, you're still like affecting the plot and it's like, you need to do this in order for this to happen. Okay, but but I mean that's always the case with video games. You mm -hmm. need to do this in order for this to happen. But that it seems to me there's something kind of special about a game, because it's not as direct as we'll talk about in the next segment with things like Guitar Hero. You're still in this narrative where you're do you're this other person, but you're this other person. In fact, another creature, right? I mean, what exactly, what exactly is Link? What is he supposed to be? He's a Hylian. Okay. Hylian. Right, Hyrulean, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like he's like almost an elfish kind yeah. of creature, right? Um, so he's this other kind of being in a way. He has powers that we don't have. And one of those powers, I guess, is to play music and to transform into a wolf and all, all sorts of things that don't happen to us every day. Um, what is the nature of like musical performance there? Or, or is, is it not really... Uh, is it not really any different than just any other kind of pattern of, of button pushing? I mean, it's just the mechanic of the game, you know? Yeah. Because, like... You don't think there's anything special to it? Well, maybe there is. Because, like, it's it's another form of immersion and interaction. Because, like, no one can transform into a wolf and, you know... Right. No one has, like, pointy ears and let you get, like, body modification procedure or something. No one has right, naturally right, right, pointy right. ears. Right. And, and many of us aren't aren't actually musical, right? So that's yeah. part of what I mean is like there's a sense in which the 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 transformation and most of us probably aren't musical in the sense of playing on an ocarina, you know, or yeah. whatever. Uh, so there's this sense of of 
transforming us into a different kind of musicality even when we are musical. The better example for me is actually The Wolf because I remember trying to... Uh, I, I play music, obviously, you know, and, and I, I can play many different instruments and I can sort of sing in my style, but but doing it through that controller and making the howl, the wolf howl in such a way and... and is is a very different kind of somewhat alienating experience and then when you get it right and this is typical of zelda games when you get certain things right you lose control you're no longer in control doesn't matter what buttons you push because there's going to be a narrative sequence but that narrative sequence isn't exactly narrative it's this kind of vista that's opened up to you and you have the uh, right this 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 scene that becomes almost kind of ethereal, lyrical. Yeah. Right. The music is soaring. The the um, position changes. You're no longer looking from your own point of view. You're looking at yourself. There's a sort of wide ranging camera angle. Mm-hmm. Uh, something similar happens in a game that you were telling me about that I I watched things about called Journey. Yes. Right. Um, describe that like the sand surfing scene because that's a good example of the kind of thing I'm trying to get at here. Yes. Yeah, so. Those who don't know, Journey is just about a lone traveler um, traveling across the desert to leave the, to, sorry, to reach this mountaintop. And there's not a single line of dialogue. And um, there's actually not much of a, like, a threat. Like, there's only, like, one or two enemies you have to avoid. And you never really, like, have to fight anything. But the sand surfing scene you bring up, it's one of the moments that almost takes control away from the player. And it goes to the side view, just this beautiful, gorgeous scene. Like the sand is sparkling, the shadows and the sun in the background. It's just gorgeous. So even if control is taken away from the player because of that moment and the cello that it comes that you're still completely immersed in it and there's also another scene the last scene in the entire game it's where you like finally reach that mountaintop and just the music that accompanies it is so cathartic and triumphant and it's like an orchestral piece and it's just gives off that vibe and you just think finally i reached it after like crossing the entire dead desert and like trying to stomp through a tundra you finally reached your goal right yeah and the, and the music i think you're right that the music plays a big role in that right that, that there's an element here of what what's what are we trying to prevent what we're trying to prevent is disinvestment mm-hmm. right because you're invested in the character you're certainly invested when you're doing the thing with the controller your your thumbs are involved and so on and your fingers right and you're yes. doing things so of course you're invested because you're doing them and if you don't do them correctly you somehow fail or fall or stumble or whatever but in these cutaway moments, these moments where you're no longer actually doing things, those are the moments, right, when you're when you're playing a game and someone's in the room with you who's not playing the game, uh, they want to talk, right? And then you're like, well, wait, don't talk right now because this is the payoff in a way. And, and so you're, you're not, you don't want to be disinvested. And so the music then plays this role of keeping you in it. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think the, the sand surfing one's a good example because it's it's both the music and the visual that does that. And it's, again, these, this kind of vista that opens up, this view, right? Literally, vista means view, right? A thing seen. And so this idea of... of, of uh, it's It's sort of like a way that we... There's a psychological aspect here, right? That most of the time, we're like we are in a role-playing game where we're looking behind our own eyes, right? And we don't see ourselves. And yet there are moments in life that kind of open up where we see ourselves. Not, I mean, literally when we look in mirrors, but that's not what I mean. I mean where we kind of get a distance view of our life. And, and video games kind of map onto that in various ways. They, 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 they model that for us, yeah. right? And, and that sand surfing one's a good example because right before that, you're behind your character. You're not literally looking through the character's eyes. It's one of those games where you're right behind the character. But that's still kind of looking over the shoulder of the self in a way. And you're moving accordingly and you're navigating your way through. But then you get this side view and all you see is the beauty of it. And you sort of back up from, from the involvement without being disinvested yeah and there's something really fascinating about that yeah it's really just about like just take a look at it just take the right. time to take it in and like even with just like visual like it doesn't have to be just visual immersion it can also be like emotional immersion because even with video game characters like sonic or link you know you don't have a lot in common with them. There are things you can relate to about them, like emotions and kind of personality traits. And like other video games that can be seen as like films with like a very deep right. and immersive story. Yeah. Like there are things you can kind of like latch on to in an emotional sense. No, so, so yeah, so latching on to something in an emotional sense and 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 being involved right let's take a look now at, uh, at some um games that that involve direct involvement in music and there, there are three that i i have in mind so uh just dance we could also talk about dance dance revolution similar game uh guitar hero and oddly enough grand theft audio so let's let's turn to those next
Now, some games are not only musical. I mean, all games are musical to some extent, as we've been discussing, obviously. But some games really are based in music and interactions with music, sometimes producing the music, sometimes reacting to the music. And to me, there are three that sort of uh, stand out or three types that stand out. One is sort of these dance uh, games, Just Dance, 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 Revolution, or whatever. And those operate in different ways that might be worth exploring. But but they both involve you responding physically to the music that you're hearing. And that the music, other than little chimes or whatever to let you know that you've executed a move well, the music doesn't really change. You, the music is, is familiar music that you're then dancing to and trying to reproduce uh, choreography or at least it, with Dance Dance Revolution, at least in the earlier incarnations of that, uh, hitting these pads on the floor at certain times, you know. So it, the choreography can be somewhat malleable, but you have to hit certain cues at a certain time. Just Dance, uh, for the Wii, for instance, it's it's tracking your movements a little more carefully. Um, and uh, although, you know, Sometimes it doesn't feel like it's always tracking it very well. But the idea is that the song doesn't so much change, again, other than cues to let you know you've done something well or not so well. Um, but you're you're responding to music. Guitar Hero, of course, you are, again, responding to the music. The music doesn't really change. In fact, something kind of interesting happens with the music that we'll talk about when we get to that tune, or that, that um, video game. But, uh, but it... You are again responding tactilely to 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 the music. Grand Theft Auto is is the third that I like to talk about, but really it's just an example of many games where there's a radio station that you can interact with, right? And you can turn the radio station. There's some games where the radio plays more of a narrative role, and and some games where it plays less. Uh, for me, Grand Theft Auto is kind of right in the middle. It has a kind of narrative function that we'll want to discuss, but less directly impacting the the level of the game. So let's uh, the, let's start with what I said. We start with the dance games. When you're playing these dance games, like what is the role of your, and I don't know which one, uh, have you played both? Dance Dance Revolution and Just Dance or just one or the I other? I think I played Just Dance like a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're different in a way. Like Dance Dance Revolution, let's start with that one because it's the earlier of the two. And it's been a long time since I've, I've never played it. I've seen other people play it. Uh, there's no way in heck I'm going to get up on this, this pseudo dance floor in front of other people, right? But as I recall, the way that it works is you pick a song and it has a kind of suggested choreography in the sense that there are things that light up and that you have to stomp on them, basically, right? Um but some of the people that play this game, because that that is somewhat under descriptive in a way, right? It doesn't tell you really what to do with your arms or your hips. It's basically just saying your feet have to go here in a certain pattern. And so you could imagine somebody like me who can't dance doing it in such a way that I'm just pouncing on these these glowing lights in order to satisfy the game. 
But a lot of the people that played this game, the the few that I witnessed, would take it rather seriously and do. There's a kind of variability that you have open to you where you could do very elaborate choreography, still satisfy the game, and yet sort of go over and above. And so there's something interesting about that. The the game is giving you leeway for extra virtuosity, right? I mean, there's something interesting about that, that, the, that any game is asking for a certain amount of virtuosity. If you're playing Street Fighter or Sonic or whatever, you have to hit the buttons in the right combination at the right time in such a way that it has a, a, enough fluidity that the game recognizes it as having been well executed and then something happens. It's kind of like an advanced Pavlovian uh, experience, right? You do this thing and then you get the payoff. And the more elaborate the thing, the bigger the payoff. But Dan but in comparison to other games like that, then Dance Dance Revolution is kind of under descriptive, right? It says, well, you do these things and you get the payoff, but you have time, if you're good, to do a lot more and you're not necessarily penalized because the game doesn't register it for doing these extra things. So it invites you to an extra level of surplus virtuosity, right? And there's something interesting about that. The game asks for certain things, but you can go over and above uh, the, the, the request. Whereas Just Dance is very different, right? Just Dance, and uh, tell me, your, actually you start off, tell me your experience as far as you remember it of Just Dance. Like how does it work in your, in your memory? And what was the, what were the choices involved? What was, uh, what were the demands made on you that you recall? Well, Just Dance, it uses the Wii controller as a motion sensor. And what's also interesting is that there are there's a dancer on the screen and you have to match their movements like mirrored your your movements are mirrored with the avatar on the screen and so you can kind of follow them when you play the game and that's kind of how i remember playing it right and so it's much more descriptive in a sense mm -hmm. now now you could say that it's under descriptive in that you can cheat and Lord knows I do. So this is a game that I've played quite a bit with my now 12-year-old uh, son, and he liked it a lot. He doesn't play it anymore. He's 12, right? So that's not going to happen anymore. But but before then, he liked it a lot. It was something that he would enjoy playing and, and laughing about. And I'd cheat a lot. You know, if you just sort of raise your arm at the right time, you don't have to do the full move of the choreography. And yet there are other times where I would swear I got it right and it didn't always pick it up. And so so we're dealing here, obviously, with the um, the sort of fallibility of the motion sensor on the on the Wii controller. Um, but my daughters take a great deal of pride in getting it exactly right and doing the exact thing and so on, you know, and, and obviously the Wii sensor is not terrible because they always get very high scores, even when I try to to cheat it a little bit but there is this element there of fidelity that you're responding to the music and obviously the choreography is meant to it's not just random it's not like i don't know in, in an independent counterpoint to the music it it, it matches on to the musical cues in various ways one of my favorite ones was the there's a bit from the blues brothers where they they do a song that was in the blues brothers movie and so they try to do kind of 
Blues Brothers choreography, including just sort of uh, marching back and forth in front of the screen. You know, it's one of my favorites because it's also one of the easier ones. <laughs> Overall, it's easier. Um, so there is this this notion of the music that you're mapping onto the music, and then do you? And this might apply to dance in general. It doesn't have to be a video game. But do you feel like like choreography like that? draws you into elements of the music that you might not notice just as listening? And if so, what does that do for your understanding of the music? Um, it can, but also I think it can do go vice versa. Oh. Like, so when you're dancing, when you're following choreography, it can cue you into different, like, parts of a song. Because, like, this move happens when it the song does this. But right. also because, you know, just dance and, like, it uses songs, like pop songs, right. songs you're familiar with. So if you really like the song, you're going to be more engaged to it. You're going to want to hit that move on the right, at the right spot because that music, oh, I love this song so much. I want to get the choreography right. Right. So there's, I mean, it's similar to things that go on in TikTok videos and so on. There's this, uh, there's this value of being, of, in, of literally incorporating, making part of my body, making it corporeal, this song that I love, right? That I'm, I'm so involved in it that, that it has entered into me and I respond in various ways or maybe response isn't even the right word that I embody it in various ways, right? That the idea is to respond because when, when we typically think of responding, it's that you say something and I respond to it by saying something that goes along with it or elaborates on it or, or denies it, right? I can contradict it. I, I, but it, the idea is that there is an individual response. But, but a game like that asks less for individual response and more for kind of a session of, of no, I've allowed this thing into me and in, in to, to be incorporated by me in a sense. Um, which gives us a kind of, I mean, there's always this fear of music, right? That music makes us feel things and do things that we might not otherwise do or want to do. Um, and Just Dance kind of plays along with that. You know, I'm not saying it in a negative way, in a positive way, but that it, that it's giving yourself over to, to the music. Mm-hmm. Whereas Guitar Hero seems to be predicated on something else. Like, what's your Guitar Hero is a different kind of mastery, right? Because with Just Dance, the idea is the mastery of these movements that the music is somehow asking you to do. Guitar Hero, you could, if you're summarizing it in that general of a sense, you could say that it's similar. That that you are mapping various movements of your fingers onto the the dots that are displayed on the screen and then it's it's similar in that sense to dance dance revolution that when the thing lights up right that you're hitting the things to correspond with the thing that lights up the the dot that's coming forward basically in case people listening don't know this game at all uh, there's like this grid of dots that represent the notes and you have a controller which is shaped more or less like a guitar and instead of it being a full fretboard there are these buttons and the buttons are color coordinated and so on so when you when the the dot comes up on the screen you hit the corresponding button when it comes into the right area so so you're rewarded for rhythmic accuracy 
And the idea is that it gets increasingly difficult as you go along, right? Mm -hmm. So you can do an ACDC tune, which is only so hard, uh, or you could do an Ingve Malmsteen or Eric Clapton or whatever that's that's harder. And the idea is to to increase your virtuosity so that you're playing these. But of course, it's it's already minimized in various ways. Um, and in, in, in some ways it's minimized and in other ways, let's say it's maximalized. It's minimized in the sense that you don't have a full fretboard. So yeah. you're, you're really only, you're not going to learn to play the guitar from playing guitar hero. Mm -hmm. Um, and yet, I mean, it, I, we might say that it helps one's rhythmic sensibility because you are trying to map on pretty tightly to the rhythmic character of, of the music. But the other thing that cracks me up about it is a couple of things. Unlike Dance Dance Revolution, there's no room for improvisation. If you play anything that's on your little uh, keyboard there, on your little fake guitar controller, uh, if you play anything that's not prescribed, the sound goes down. You don't hear it. It gets muted. You're wow. literally being censored, right? Uh -huh. uh, so, And then the other thing is that certain movements that we associate with kind of silly rock guitar virtuosity like raising the guitar up that registers uh. as as moments of virtuosity so these kind of silly extra things that some guitarists like myself think of as being dumb you know and that you don't do because it's just dumb uh and, and adds nothing to the actual performance those are your ways of sort of getting extra points and extra credit um, but anything that you might do improvisatorily around it that might in some ways make sense within the parameters of the game, that gets muted. It gets silenced. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so with that description, like what is the image we're being given of what makes a proper guitar hero here? Like what is the what we talked about fidelity with with Just Dance. What's the nature of fidelity here? Faithfulness to the script, so to speak. Um, I have never played guitar hero, but. What I think is that it plays fidelity to an image of what a guitar hero is, quote unquote. It's like, you know, when you raise the guitar up and kind of like look cool when playing it, like it gives you points for it. So, you know, like while like other musicians think oh, that's kind of stupid or whatever, you know, to a little kid kind of looking like, yeah, I'm so cool. I can do this while I'm holding it up. It's kind of like, you know, it gives them props for kind of like playing into that image while rocking out to their favorite song. I heard right. there was also like a episode on South Park about it. About yeah, the where there it's hilarious, right? Randy, the father, Stan's father, sees that they're playing this, and so he's like, "Oh, this is a good, a good sort of um, pathway to him becoming musical." So he buys him like a Les Paul guitar. He buys him this really nice guitar and an amplifier, and he goes, "Look, look!" And he goes, "What? I can't play." guitar hero with that that's not it you know and so so they get all into the the virtuosity and and don't get me wrong i'm not downplaying that dexterity there's a virtuosic element to dexterity you know mm -hmm. and 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 doing the things that the game asks you to do is not easy like i can play a lot of the guitar solos that are featured on guitar hero and i can play them note for note along with the record and sound just fine 
And then I try to do it on guitar here, and I can't, even though it should be simpler because it's reduced, yeah. right? It's reduced to to the bare essentials. But something about following the cues of those little dots throws me. I haven't played it a bunch. I've only played it like literally twice in my life, and both times I was turned off by it, as you can probably tell. But but at the same, but in reflection, I'm not turned off by it. Like in reflection, I'm like, oh, there's this whole world of guitar hero that I just didn't get into because I was thinking of it the wrong way. It's not about playing guitar. It's not about being a substitute for guitar. It's about having video game dexterity of a virtuosic level that is coordinated with these things that come from the music and this kind of fidelity of, to the music. That's a strange kind of fidelity because some of the, the solos that they have on there were of course improvised and the person who's playing them never played them the same way again, you know? And so you're, you are sort of dealing with an interesting problem in rock music, I think, which is this idea that the recording becomes this text. It becomes this kind not only a text, but a, a revered, text an unalterable text um that, that that you revere each note and each gesture and that what guitar hero does is it reduces notes to gestures it reduces um thinking through music to music as a kind of almost religious faithful a text to, to which one must be re religiously faithful yeah. that each thing matters yeah mm -hmm. Now, we have a very different kind of interaction with music, I think, in games like Grand Theft Auto and other games that have radios. And I think that, that there's something really interesting to me about that, because I remember a very early iteration. I don't remember if it was the very first Grand Theft Auto or if it was the second, but uh, it was introduced to my family relatively early. We were not allowed to have that game yeah. as kids, but my cousin was, really? you know, and so, and so, yeah, so, so we would go over to my cousin's house and we'd get to play this game and my cousin being the, the personality he was, we mostly got to watch him play the game. We, we got very little, few turns. We got very few turns, but, but I remember it had radio early on, whatever iteration this was, it had a radio, but there wasn't a whole lot you could do with it. But now that you're up to five or whatever it's up to, you can the, the radio has become quite advanced. You know, um, the one the iteration before the one I'm thinking of, uh, which was set in Miami, the radio kind of reflected the the Miami in the 80s, you know, because that's when the game was set was Miami in the 80s. And it sort of reflected that in various ways. And so the idea was that the it gave you an insight into um, into what that might have felt like. And to some extent, the uh, w when the, the San Andreas one or whatever, that brought you into a kind of almost vicarious sense of what the radio meant. Like you were, and that's part of my, my thinking here is that there's a way in which when you're listening to the radio on these Grand Theft Auto games, in one sense, you're listening as you. Oh, I recognize that song. Or, oh, I've never heard that song before. I really like it. And so you're listening to it as 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 you with your own tastes. But to a certain extent, you're also listening to it as what would your character listen to? And, you know, like part of it is creating, like you were saying before, this idea of, of there's a filmic element that you're immersing yourself in this world, but you also have choices to make, right? That are your choices filtered through this this avatar, now, one of the things that, that is interesting to me with the newest, uh, I think it's the newest, uh, Grand Theft Auto, 
is that the radio, I've noticed when I play it sometimes with my brother, that the, the choices sometimes change. Like they add things in and take things out, right? So there's a dynamic element to it. that and, and you can listen to tunes on YouTube and so on. These are playlists that people start mm-hmm. to enjoy. But the other thing is that in this version of it now, Dr. Dre becomes a character. You can do various missions on the behalf of Dr. Dre, who has this mixtape that was on his cell phone. He has uh, these new compositions that got stolen and then were going to be released without his control. And of course, that's no good. So you have to go and get the files back, basically. Right. And so there's this whole EP that I think is quite good uh, that, that Dr. Dre has created for this game, for for this game within a game, this this um, series of adventures that you can have within the midst of playing Grand Theft Auto, where you then recapture this EP. And then, you, then once you've recaptured it, you can listen to it whenever you like. It can become part of what you... And, and so there's something interesting with that, right? Because each stage... The, the music is used in very interesting ways. First of all, it's an object. In this case, a lost object that you have to recover. Secondly, as you're recovering it, as you're doing the various things to, to catch up with this DJ who now has it, you hear it because the DJ keeps playing it illegally at all of his parties. So then it becomes background music to that part of your adventure. And it's always a different track, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm bad at this game, obviously, because he winds up having to play the same track over and over again before I get to him, right? So there was one one tune called Scenic um, View or something like that. Um which I particularly like. It has, uh, it, it's a, it's a cool track, but at any rate, it took me forever to beat that part. So I heard it a bunch of times, scenic route, of course, that's what it's called. Um, and, and, you know, it, it took me a bunch of times to, to pass it. So I got, you know, really invested in this song. I knew it quite well, uh, by the end. And then when you finally recover the thing, then it can become part of just background music for you. You could play it whenever you want, when you're driving around and whatever car you're driving around in. Um, there's something really interesting about the way that the music's role shifts so dramatically. Are there other examples you could think of that are that work along that, those lines? Of any of the things we've talked about, really, um, just in summing up. Well, I think, like, this is, it's very interesting how, like, before music was just a part of the background and how it set the mood, but now music is a tangible part of the experience. Yeah. And do you think part of that is just because music is becoming ever more malleable? I mean, we, we can, we, we deal with music in such different ways, right? Like back when video games were first coming around, the idea of music was that you went to a music store and you bought an object you brought that object home, you played that object, right? And, and if you like that object, you play it from beginning to end over and over and over again, but it was an object. Music's no longer bound up in its objective materiality as much anymore. We stream it and yeah. we have services that sort of make decisions for us. We say, oh, I like this kind of, like to Pandora, we say, oh, I, I like Bob Marley. And then it'll play a Bob Marley tune, but then it'll play an Eric Clapton tune. And it'll sort of weave around this sort of tapestry of its own making of what it thinks is similar to what you have asked for and what you like. Um and so music becomes, in one sense, 
less tangible because it's no longer this objective material. But on the other hand, it's become more malleable. You can do more with it. You can you can alter its structure. So have video games then shifted in order to grapple with that new paradigm of how we understand music? Um, I think it's become more like how music is handled nowadays with when it comes to streaming and not having to buy a physical copy of the music but because like guitar hero grand theft auto like those games like they're not new they're like pretty old not like super old but like you know they go back a long time right and so you feel that music has changed in the way that it's being used in games now. So, so give me a more recent example of something you're thinking of. Mm. Well, I kind of have two examples, actually. Great. So there's one game called Animal Crossing. Mm-hmm. And it's basically a game where you buy an island and... You get you get to do whatever you want with it. You can like build a community. You can farm on it. It's basically a game about capitalism, but that's a different conversation. Um, and throughout the entire time you're on your island, there is this light strumming guitar theme to it. Okay. And it just makes you feel like you're on vacation. There are some variations to it, but for the most part, it's a very relaxing, very laid-back theme that really just makes you... Because it's not supposed to be a very stressful game, or it's supposed to be a very fun, very relaxing game. People spend hours on it. You know, people dedicate entire days to making things. But you were saying that this is an example of how music differs now from the way that it is used in in older games. So how so? Because um, that just sounds like musical wallpaper. Like, like yeah, that's wallpaper. the pretty typical way of using music in a video game, right? Is that you're setting a mood. And... Well, it does set the mood. But I think it kind of reflects something else in like pop music and pop culture because if you ever go on spotify there are these playlists of like meditation music right it kind of i kind of equivalent to meditation music about there's no lyrics no kind of like it you really just lay down and let the music just kind of put you in a zone or something And the other example is actually similar to Grand Theft Auto, but not in in the way it uses radio. It's called Jet Set Radio. Okay. And uh, that's the name of the game is Jet Set Radio. Jet Set Radio, yes. Okay. It involves radio, and you're basically an adolescent who's trying to form a gang with group of like roller skaters, and you like scrawl graffiti everywhere it's the scores by hideki nakanuma and the main narrator of the game 
he's basically a DJ. And yeah. he basically tells, like, the plot. He narrates the plot of the story. And, like, you can hear, like, his re- radio station playing in the background when you play the game. And he also tells you, like, when the police are coming to, like, try and arrest you. But you don't interact with the radio station. I mean, he tells you things, but you don't, like, you can't switch the station or if you don't like a song you want to hear like in grand theft auto you can let's say this i'm listening to the hip-hop station a tune comes on i don't particularly like i can switch it over to the rock station or punk rock or whatever Mm, no i don't think so but what is also interesting throughout the game there are these cassette icons okay and when you collect them you add more songs to the playlist and all right it really like that uses radio in a different way but it is interactive in a sense, and it right. does contribute to the plot in a way. But it also gives you more variety of things to, to experience. So you're augmenting experience through your, your endeavor, so to speak. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and I think that's when, one of the things that I think is interesting about music and video games, especially when the music becomes a kind of object like it is in Grand Theft Auto and in, in this game, that it makes us ever more aware of the ways that we actually use music, right? Because we tend to, again, think of music as a kind of quasi-object, even now that it's becoming less and less objectified uh, through streaming services and so on. Uh, and we sometimes forget that that music is there for use and use kind of goes both ways on the one hand we might think about how we use music on the other we might think about how it uses us